I think AI is going to have a huge impact on on our industry. I think the, I mean, if you look at HR SaaS, we're like a tiny player in a small niche, and we're fighting against companies that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars over the last uh, three years, especially since COVID. It's been a huge boom in our industry of of companies raising money. Welcome to the new HR, a podcast for HR professionals who strive for more than just compliance and paperwork. We believe that HR is at the heart of any organization. So our show is all about meaningful conversations with HR tech founders and high performers who are driving change in the industry. From employee journeys to HR platforms and wellness in the evolving corporate world, we cover it all. Now, here's your host, Mark Jackson. Hello, it's Mark Jackson. I'm your host of The New HR. And today we have Andrew Swiler from Lanteria, who is the CEO. And uh, just in terms of some background on Andrew, like Andrew, to be honest with you, I could go through your CV, but it would probably take half the, uh, half the podcast. You've had a really interesting uh, background. But just, just quickly, you're a finance expert an investment uh, uh, director at Seaways uh, with an extensive background in business development operations and strategy. And uh, you're also the former founder of Future Humans, which was kind of interesting to me, a sustainable fashion brand that repurposes waste. And uh, it didn't, it didn't work. Didn't work. Okay. Well, <laughs> moving on from that, um, perhaps you can uh, just give us a, a, a bit of a uh, anything about your background beyond that that you would like to share and what's kind of brought you here today to the current platform you're working on? So I'll give you, a, I'll try and give my quick, like one minute summary. Uh, so I worked in private equity in Chicago. I, I grew up in Minnesota and then I worked in private equity in Chicago for a long time. Uh, got really burnt out and decided I was just going to leave. Uh, told my boss, I'm going to go travel and write for a year. He thought I was crazy. Um, and I ended up in an island on Croatia, uh, doing a kayaking trip and met my wife there. Uh, and she's from Barcelona. I convinced her to move to San Francisco with me, said I was going to become, uh, like a CFO of tech companies. So I did fractional CFO work there for a couple of years. And then my wife basically said to me one day, I'm going to go back to Barcelona. You could stay here. You can come with me. Um, left with her made kind of, I wouldn't say a mistake. It was, it was an interesting decision at the time. Uh, and Ended up starting an eyewear company with my wife, uh, Unique Brow. Then we started uh, the clothing company you mentioned, Future Humans. And I continued in the background working sort of as a CFO for um, SaaS companies, software companies, learning a lot in, in that area. And decided uh, during the pandemic to get back into private equity, but in my own way of acquiring companies. And um, Lanteria was the first acquisition I did. I've done a couple others uh, as well, smaller ones, but Lanteria is sort of our biggest acquisition that that I've done so far. Uh, that you know, bringing together capital from private investors, we acquire the company, and uh, one of the focuses that I have is, is in HR technology. I think it's a, a booming industry. I think it's a great industry. I think it's super interesting, and I think it's critical uh, for over the next few years as we move from sort of the traditional workplace into wherever it is that we're going that I'm not 100% sure, but I have some theories. So happy to discuss. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, so at Lanteria, the, the, I guess you call it the HR platform that works your way. Um, you say it's the most flexible HR system based on Microsoft SharePoint and Office 365. 
Can you give us a, a bit more of a background in terms of what is uh, the platform and who's using the software and who gets the most value? So it's a really niche area. So if you're really into SharePoint and you know about SharePoint, like the historical sort of on-premise SharePoint and the cloud version of SharePoint, uh, a lot of people, we actually just had a demo today with uh, a potential client. The people that know about this really understand the flexibility. This was a product that was built by Microsoft that was probably underutilized by a lot of companies. Uh, now everyone knows about like SharePoint Online. It's kind of like the competitor to Google Drive. But the original SharePoint was this very uh, robust, very customizable um, system that our product was built on top of. So you're able to, without coding, uh, really drag and drop and put a lot of things together. And so our product is is basically uh, built on top of the original the original SharePoint. Now we're on SharePoint 2019. We we keep uh, updating to the newer versions, but it's the type of platform that if you're using Microsoft SharePoint and all your data is in there, all your employee data is in there, you can take on our platform and easily sort of transport all of your data into into our platform. Uh, and then have this really customizable way. So one of the key things, the type of customers we get, the type of clients, are usually 500 to 5,000 person companies, pretty complex. Uh, they have a lot of necessities, oil and gas companies, um, federal contractors, people that have specific needs, uh, both from compliance and security, but also uh, from, you know, we have this type of, of um, we have this type of way of, you know, doing follow-ups with our employees, and structuring our data this way, and and this is how we do our contracts, and has, here's how we do our workflows. And when they have those specific needs, companies like Hi Bob or uh, even Workdays is super difficult to customize in this way, and costs a lot of money. And because we are built on SharePoint, it's a relatively affordable way to customize your HR platform and build it out with the workflows that you need. That's great. Just just to back up a little bit on the acquisition, can you share anything that um, might be interesting in terms of what made you acquire an HR company and kind of your thoughts on the industry. So I I really like HR. Uh, we actually are looking at at other products in HR to acquire as well. Um, I think, like I said, as we move to remote work, tools like ours are going to be super important. I mean, obviously, there's tools like Zoom, to, tools like uh, um, uh, like Jira or Asana. They're important for project management. But making sure you understand what's going on with your employees and tracking sort of their progress is more important than ever. And so uh, a product like ours where you know you can do um, segment out your employees, follow along what's going on, follow the documentation, follow how the management is is co- contacting with them and giving them specific training. Uh, tools like ours are, are going to become more and more important because as you hire junior people, one of the critical issues right now is that junior people feel just left out in the cold. Like they're sitting at home like like me but I'm almost 40. I have a long career. I know what I'm supposed to be doing at home uh, every day. And for them, they're like, well, I don't know who to connect with. I don't know who this person is in, in the company. And with our types of tools, you know who the people are. You say, okay, I can easily find um, who this person is in the company, what they do, what their track record is, and be able to uh, reach out to them. So I think what we're moving towards in a lot of this remote work is a very complex way of you're going to need to be able to search for the data of who's in your company, what they know, what they do, and go find them. So you're going to have to be more proactive no matter what. The The days of work's going to come to me and the project's going to be sort of dropped into my lap, I think are gone. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to need to change the way they work and they're going to need platforms like ours to you know build up that productivity and understand who's in the organization. 
Okay. Um, can you expand a little bit more on some of the Lentera solutions for remote teams? So for remote teams, uh, I mean, one of the best, one of the most competitive advantages that we have for remote or for companies in different countries is that uh, a lot of companies or a lot of our competitors are sort of tied to certain countries because of payroll or for whatever reason, they're very localized in like, uh, if you're on our product and you're in Europe, you, it really only works in this European uh, jurisdiction or if it's in Canada, it really only works in Canada and you kind of have to have different uh, versions in different countries. What ours is good at is it's basically borderless. So if you have an office in New Delhi, you have an office in um, in Canada, you have an office in Mexico, it just, all you have to do is just add the office and you can customize the types of workflows, the types of uh, vacation times, the types of specific things that happen in those countries or in those offices. And even you can customize it down to the city and change the workflows and change the, the time, time and attendance, absences, everything very, very easily inside of our platform. Or obviously our, our support team is very good as well and, and helps our customers with some of those more complex issues. But uh, that's one of the key differences that we have is that it's really a borderless platform and isn't tied to specific countries or specific cities. So we allow for some flexibility that others have more difficulty or it would cost a lot of money to sort of customize. That's great. You did a, uh, a webinar uh, a few months ago I took a look at, um, and it basically you were just explaining the term liquid workforce and that model can help mm -hmm. brands uh, even in a recession. Can you give us an overview of what liquid workforce is along with some uh, practical examples? Awesome. Yeah, so I, we did that. Uh, actually, one of my friends uh, was runs that company. He's, he's from Argentina, uh, the company that we discussed that with. So liquid workforce um, is a relatively new concept, I think. But essentially, the idea is, you know, a lot of companies are project based or they have, you know, they have peaks and valleys in, in what's going on with their company. And what you can do now with remote workforces, and some people would call this, um, people would argue against this. They would say it's not fair to the people working for you, or it's not fair to the the employees. But what you can basically do now is find ways to say, hey, we have this peak coming up. And the same way that uh, a retail store would hire a lot of people for Christmas, uh, you know, maybe an agency needs to hire a lot of people for a certain period of time because they know a big customer is coming in. So liquid workforce is hiring um, remote workers for specific needs at a specific time, let's use an example of uh, we have a big PPC campaign coming up. So I need to hire more people to do Facebook ads, TikTok ads, LinkedIn ads, and I'm going to hire specialists that I'm just going to bring in for that period of time over the next three months. I don't need to bring them on full time. I don't need to train them up. They're people that I've already trained for previous work or that I've had sort of in the background. I hire them when I need to. They know my platform or they know what I need to do. And when I don't need them, they kind of go off. And like I said, people think that this is exploitative, but from my experience of working with people in India, Latin America, everywhere else, this is they. Uh, this has changed most of their lives. I mean, most of the people that I work with remotely say, you know, of course, I'm making less money than the person that lives in Austin, Texas, is making, but I'm making ten times more than the guy that lives next door to me is making. And when I'm not on this project, you know, I have other clients and I have other things, and they've built up pipelines of of people that trust them. Obviously, again, it's based on who's good at the jobs that they're doing and who can be trusted. But the great thing about the liquid workforce is that businesses, especially in recessions, you know, you have times where cash is going to be tight. You can't have those full-time employees sitting there and saying like, well, let's see when the next project comes in. And so the liquid workforce is sort of that seasonal workforce that 
could help you. Yeah, for sure. Seasonal hiring. I think maybe liquid work first is is kind of a bit of a variation on that yeah. on that term. And and to be honest with you, you think about all of the hiring that was done as um, you know certain categories surged during the pandemic in terms of needing bodies, you know, in warehouse and also remotely. And now we're going through uh, a process of uh, I'm not going to say right sizing, but you know, certain certain companies are are. Are, are pulling back and that in conjunction um you know with all of the chat uh about recession you know definitely you know create some some nervousness in terms of a lot of organizations in terms of you know what the path is going forward but it's just it's just another cycle yeah is as, as far as i'm concerned but um yeah i was there and i i mean i worked in private equity in t- 2008 but i was really i just got out of college so i didn't I didn't really soak it in as much as I probably should have, but I feel like we're talking about the recession. I, I feel like people were so affected by that that now we've been talking about the recession for at least a year and sort of everyone's like bracing for impact for this to come. So when it does come, I think it's going to feel less uh, less impactful just because there's already been so many layoffs. It could be that we're already in the recession and we're not 100% uh, adjusted for it, but it seems like we've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if by the time it finally arrives, it's going to feel more like a small wave or like a little road bump in the middle of a parking lot or something of that nature. Yeah. But you know, can, going back, looking backwards to 2008 and that recession in terms of how companies manage their their employee assets and their their teams, I think had a fundamentally a very different perspective in terms of how people are now dealing with their their um, their human assets in in, in yeah. many respects. There's there's a lot, and I, I think part of that is is because of the fact that the pandemic was a health crisis. So yeah. it, it creates a, a bit more of a, a natural human caring towards your your workforce as opposed to just you know names on an Excel spreadsheet that you need to move from this column yeah. to that column. Uh, but anyway, I, it's. Um, common issue that many companies face uh, you know even though there's all of this talk of recession and and uh, and right sizing is it's hard to acquire new talent it's just one of these weird environments right now and you know also increasing retention rates uh, of, of people that they have hired so uh, what I wanted to ask you is why do you think uh, that happens so often and how should companies approach uh, these these challenges uh, using solutions like yours. On uh, why do these happen? So, meaning recessions, or meaning sort of these crises that people have to go through. Yeah, and and the fact that they continue to have uh, issues acquiring new talents and and keeping the talents oh. there under the roof. The talent thing is really hard. I think. I mean, I think what happened that we had this weird like confluence of events right now, where I think people at the pandemic point, they had kind of gotten tired of whatever they were doing. I mean, I I personally, I've had a lot of changes in my life since the pandemic. Almost everyone I know has either moved, had kids, had like complete changes to the the structure of their life from 2020 till today, where from 2016 to 2020, I don't think anyone would say that those changes happened. I think people just had time to reflect and they had this like weird epiphany of, you know, I'm doing the wrong place. Or they had time to learn new things because they were at home and they want to apply those new skills. And maybe the workforce or the workplace they were in wasn't the right place. 
and now they're looking for those challenges. I think we're also going to see a lot of people uh, cycling in and out of jobs pretty regularly um, in these types of in these types of times. And one of the key things that we work on is in our product is like the onboarding uh, process. So like our product has a really uh, robust and then obviously like we say flexible uh, onboarding process. So what we see a lot of our uh, clients doing is building out like our learning modules, um, building out ways that they can automate, automate and track getting people onboarded because they're thinking, you know, if I only have this guy for 18 to 24 months working in my team, I have to get the most out of those 18, 24 months. And usually those first like two to three months is when they're the most sort of energized. And so you don't want to waste those just training them. You want to make sure like, how do we get them on board quickly, get them applying this knowledge and getting them into the business. And, you know, depending on the complexity of your business, obviously like for us, for software, I mean, it takes us three months minimum just to get somebody uh, contributing to our code base. On our sales team, it takes us three to six months to get somebody really being able to demo something. So we have to build out like a really robust way of doing that. We see our clients uh, doing the same and their HR team spending a ton of time on training and on onboarding and spending a lot of time in our LMS system. So I think that's one of the areas that people are focusing on with like products like ours is is improving onboarding. And then from there, like I said, it's a lot of employee engagement, making sure that uh, you're you're really tracking uh, even, you know, we, 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 uh, we encourage a lot of people to have weekly one-on-ones, bi-weekly one-on-ones, track those, make sure there's note-taking, make sure there's documentation. That's a, uh, a lot of the workflows that we see getting done to at least engage the employees and keep them, you know, in the, in the mix and feeling like they're part of something because people can just kind of float off in this remote work. We, I, it happens to us. We, we hired a guy in, uh, in Mexico a couple months ago. <laughs> to be one of our support engineers in the US and he uh, he just disappeared like a month in just disappeared on us and nobody knew what to do and that's one of the weird things that happens in remote work but you gotta figure out how we're, we're not big on like tracking people's computers and having like these apps that are on there making sure that they're doing everything all the time because I personally don't want to be babysat I don't want an, a workforce that's being babysat I would have people that are owning their time they know their objectives they know what they have to be doing and go out and do it but with that, uh, sometimes you hire the wrong person and they disappear. Yeah. No, that's great. You, definitely the onboarding, uh, having a, a solid process for, you know, not only onboarding, but pre-boarding after they accept the position, even before yeah. they start, you know, starting down yeah. that path. I'm sure we've all been in organizations where you kind of show up, you know, you're, they don't know where to put you. You don't have a computer. You don't have any credentials to log in. Now, this was back when you went into the office. Yeah, you know, t- and and that impacts people's perspective in terms of the organization and and that excitement. It uh, it changes it. It's interesting. You mentioned something about people cycling in and out, which is kind of interesting because a lot of companies now are, um, believe it or not, paying a lot of attention to the exit side as well because yeah. they, you know they're they're brand ambassadors in terms of the company, and you know chances are that they may end up coming back one day as well. So you want to make that a, a positive experience as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're moving on to a new position and I've even seen people, you know, sending gifts. I've seen them posted on LinkedIn, the ex- exit gifts, thanking them for their contribu- contributions to the organization. And I think that that creates a real uh, positive chatter uh, about an organization, which is what yeah. people need when they're they're looking to hire new people as well is, is good good talk about the brand and the company. It's an interesting. I, I hadn't seen that, but that uh, that's something I'm going to write down for our 
at least for some of our clients. Uh, we usually, some of these ideas like this, we try and put them in our blog or come up with interesting things that we've seen out there. And the, the offboarding uh, with gifts is, is interesting because you're right. That is, it's almost like a marketing opportunity to get out there and show people what, what the company is all about. Well, it is because you know the way it's, it's the same with any consumer buying something, right? If they're happy, they're going to yeah. tell 10, 10 people. And if they're not happy, they're going to tell a hundred people. So yeah. Uh, closing the door behind them and the, you know, see you later. It just, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Anyway, um, let's just go back a little bit to, uh, HR automation. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, many HR managers do a lot of repetitive tasks, uh, which impacts their efficiency. How can, uh, the platform, your platform help HR departments to build processes to take kind of that that moving paper from pile A to pile B. And, and so they have the time to focus on coaching and important skill sets. So ours, it, it depends on how the, the HR team wants to set things up. So our product, because we're focused on enterprise, I mean, you can just take like our out of the box and this, this is set up as it is, or you can sit down with like, we have implementation managers and, and HR consultants that sit down with the companies and kind of plot these things out. Because some people that come to us, they've, you know, they're, not a lot, but some people are going from Excel spreadsheets to an HRIS for the first time. Uh, some of them are going from ones that were just pretty, you know, basics uh, to coming to ours, which is uh, kind of overwhelming sometimes. So we have to walk them through and say, okay, we can automate this, especially in the onboarding process. Contracts getting sent out, contracts getting signed. We have docs and we have doc sign um, uh, integration. So you know, everything goes back and forth, goes into the right folder. You set it and forget it for all the the people coming in. Also, it comes through the applicant tracking system, which is a lot of where the, the biggest paperwork comes in is at the beginning and at the end of, of the, the, the relationship. So our applicant tracking system can you know match up with a lot of different uh, websites, Monster, Indeed, things like that. Uh, sucks the information into our ATS. If you decide to hire this person, goes directly into that onboarding process. You can click yes. Uh, sends it through DocuSign, takes those documents, puts it into the right folders, and even shares it because we're on SharePoint. If you're a Microsoft user, it can also take it and put it into your Microsoft um, your Microsoft files as well, into your SharePoint uh, or OneDrive files. So you can have everything in there automated. Um, and then, like I said, in the firing process, sort of the same thing. It's, you know, somebody's leaving, you want to make sure there's NDAs or there's, there's certain... Uh, certain agreements that have been made uh, as far as severance packages go and things like that, that they get automated through the the legal team. And then one of the key things for us is in uh, like time and attendance workflows where, you know, that's one of the slowest things that people, uh, HR teams are getting, you know, this is a request, this is what's getting sent in from this person, you need, to, you need to approve this. And what we can set up is automated approvals based on certain dates, based on certain times, uh, those approvals come in, they get documented, they get put into the right um, the right folders and get kept there. And also on employee engagement. So uh, like you said, one of the things that HR teams are really focused on making sure that the managers are are engaging with the teams. And so in this way, they don't have to keep following up with the managers having these meetings. They they automatically tell them, you know, did you have your, your weekly one-on-one or is the weekly one-on-one set up? They send them an automatic notification the notes from that weekly one-on-one get put into a folder if HR wants to see it or if the manager wants to see it or it can be just you know personally for the manager. So a lot of these things on employee engagement, I get put in there. Like I said, prior to this, I'm more on the higher level of our company. So these are the things that I can tell you. Our implementation product people know a lot of the specific use cases because they see 
I mean, we have hundreds of clients in lots of different industries. And I mean, we, you know, you go to oil and gas and what they need, even just their like cycles of, of how the workforce goes. Cause they do like work on 12 hour cycles instead of eight hour cycles. We have to customize things for that. They, you know, they have time on time off. Uh, we work with companies like Lufthansa, um, that, and, and even, uh, elevator. So there's a lot of different companies that have different workflows and different things. And the, a lot of it depends on the industries. Construction is a super complex area because it's, talk about a liquid workforce. There's people coming in, people coming out. You need to automate, you know, sometimes people are just working for a week and on, on one project and you need to make sure that, that that's in there and they don't have to spend a lot of time on it. So it's, it's, it's complex. Yeah, there were two things that you mentioned that I love is number one, automation, and number two, reminders. <laughs> yeah, reminders. It's simple. It's simple, but sometimes you need them because otherwise you just, you know, a week goes by and say, I didn't do that. Yeah. What would you say is uh, your management style with your team? You, you talked a little bit about, you know, it's it's your, your mission focused in terms of accomplishing the mission. You don't want to micromanage with, uh, you know, seeing that their mouse is moving every 15 minutes or, or whatever. So, can you share a little bit about your style? Uh, I would consider myself uh, not the best manager. Um, I don't. I, I brand myself as somebody that knows a lot about management styles. I, I personally, what what I like from anyone is, like I said, ownership. It's I like laying out. You know, at the beginning of the quarter, we lay out these goals. We try and lay them out together, and we say, "You got to own these goals." And if you can't hit these goals, then you know we're gonna have a conversation in you know after a month or after two weeks find out what's going on find out if we're on track uh what i am good at is i mean we have investors i'm really good at uh communicating with our investors our shareholders our shareholders so i try and sort of transmit that to our team as well and say you know like think of me as a shareholder in the company and that you're reporting to me on sort of what's going on and you know green light yellow light red light where are we at on on each one of these objectives um, now I'm trying to implement more like scorecards and things like that. But it's more of a complex type of way, but I, I just like that people know what they have to do. They know where they stand and anything that's about sort of how they feel, what they think ideas they have can be brought to me. I'm super open, uh, about taking in new ideas and, and adapting whatever we're doing. But I just like that people have like, this is my mission. This is what I'm doing. And I don't need you sitting there and being like, but did you did you make this blog post? How was this written? It's like, no, no, you own this and you do it the best you can. That's great. Um, what's, what's your roadmap look like uh, other than adding the new offboarding module we talked about? What, uh, <laughs> no, we have the offboarding module. We have, I mean, the way we sell, you know, what, what, what in HR, at least in, in SAS, you know, they say it's from hire to retire. Uh, is is the way that a SaaS like ours is. So so from the day you enter to the day you leave, it could be hire to fire, but we try and say hire to retire because it sounds uh, a little bit uh, more friendly and a little bit more lofty than hire to fire. But it's 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 in there as well. Um, our roadmap. So our our biggest thing is we want to move uh, because we acquired this company nine months ago. Um, SharePoint, like I said, is a super robust product. It's very interesting, but where the Microsoft ecosystem is going is through Microsoft Teams, Office 365, and that suite of products. We do have an app in Microsoft Teams, uh, but we're working really hard on seeing sort of what the next phase with that is. Where's Microsoft Teams going? I mean, we know people inside of Microsoft. It's changing rapidly. They want Teams to be like really a hub for companies. Um, 
so we're hoping we can take advantage of that and, and sort of sit on type of Microsoft Teams and really offer uh, a great experience for Office 365 users. That's one of the key focuses for us over the next like two years is just build, kind of move from SharePoint to uh, the Office 365 suite. Um, that's one of our main focuses. And then from there, in in the short term, we have a bunch of like little small improvements that uh, will be done inside the product. A lot of things on user experience, the UI uh, that you know is a little bit outdated, just because our product, you know, it's 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 been around for about ten years, uh, twelve years actually. It's been since uh, two thousand eleven. So there's certain things in it that need, from a UX perspective, just improvement to make it a little bit easier to implement, make it easier for customers. So a lot of blocking and tackling type of stuff that uh, that we're trying to get done. Any thoughts on uh, Chat GPT or AI? We we use so we're we're implementing that for our support team. Uh, you know we have we have a whole like help desk, and what we've done is just we're we're putting it into uh, GPT three or four. I can't remember which one. Uh, and having it sort of organize that help desk in a way that it can spit out information. So if somebody asks a question, whether it's a customer or uh, somebody inside of our team, that it takes all that data that you know we've been building up for years and it's kind of structured, kind of unstructured and hopefully GPT-4 can spit it back out to us with the correct answer that we can give back to our customers. So I see that from a use case for us like internally. Um, and then from there, I mean, I, I use, I, I'm a, I'm a paid subscriber. I use it all the time. I mean, we use it a lot for uh, marketing email marketing, especially, uh, you know, we have some people that, that English is their second language. And it's awesome for them because they put it in there and they say, you know, can you write this in this style? Can you write this in this way? And and you give it the right prompts and it comes up with uh, a really great email for our teams to be able to use and you don't need to proofread. So that's great. It's, yeah, it's it's a great tool. <laughs> um, so you obviously just acquired recently and I, I'm not sure what your time horizon is, but can you kind of give us a, a look down the road in terms of where do you think the industry, you know, the HR SaaS platforms is going. Sometimes I ask five or 10 years, but that's like a lifetime. So, you know, you feel free to compress that number. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I obviously I work in technology, so I like predicting future things. I mean, I think there is a future. I, I work, uh, I have friends that are in blockchain and things like that. I think there is a future where instead of just your LinkedIn profile, your resume, there are going to be uh, like tokenized ways that you can bring your the work that you've done and show and demonstrate like with uh, with blockchain how that work was done what was done especially for technology companies you're gonna be able to see the code that was done be able to take some of that with you um, I think that's more 10 years down the road I don't see that being uh, within five year type of thing I think AI is gonna have a huge impact on on our industry I think the I mean, if you look at HR SaaS, we're like a tiny player in a small niche and we're fighting against companies that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars over the last uh, three years, especially since COVID. It's been a huge boom in our industry of of companies raising money. I see a lot of them probably, like I said, one of, one of the key things I think is figuring out a way to build a database about companies where people know what everyone's specific skill set is, where they've been, what their network is. Uh, I think one of the one of the awful things that happens in in companies is that you don't really know who's in the network of other people. Maybe somebody in business development is trying to find out, uh, you know, they're trying to get in with another client and, you know, a guy that works in R&D 
has his kids go to school or or you know they, they live in the same community as someone else and they have an intro or they know somebody they went to college with them and i think one of the key things is going to be figuring out a way to get all the information about all the people that work in your organization and figure out ways to organize and 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 connect these people not necessarily like everyone needs to know each other but easily say like i'm looking for this i'm looking for this i'm looking for this and this person our, our organization has the connection or has that information or has worked in this company before and might be able to help you i see that being a huge piece in the future for hr SaaS. Um, I've seen a couple of companies tackling this, but it's it's a pretty big challenge. Uh, but I think in five years, we'll see a lot of that, like inner, inner organization, information sharing and databases. Do you guys have any plugins with LinkedIn at all? I know, like, I think you're on, I don't know if you have Zapier connections or API. I was just taking a look at your, your website. How about LinkedIn? Uh, with LinkedIn, we, so we have connections with LinkedIn Learning. Uh, so we take um, anything in our LMS can be pulled from LinkedIn Learning. Uh, LinkedIn, we connect uh, for our, our um, ETS for our, our tracking, our applicant tracking system connects with LinkedIn, and then obviously you can have the uh, the employer, the the person that's applying, can apply via LinkedIn, and then you can get all their information through LinkedIn, and then that can be applied into uh, our core HR system through the LinkedIn API. I mean, because we're a Microsoft uh, partner as well, we try and use you know anything we can through the Microsoft systems. But LinkedIn's a powerful tool for that. You mentioned that your your client base is generally from 500 plus employees. Yeah, it's, uh, it depends on the. So we're in uh, Europe. But most of our clients are in Europe, uh, Australia, and the U.S. U.S. is about 70 percent. U.S. and Canada are about 70 percent. Um, U.S. and Canada, it's about 500 up. Uh, Europe, Australia, it's about 200 plus, and we usually cap out at about 5,000. Uh, once it gets to 5,000, they probably are looking for Workday or some sort of SAP, some sort of box checking, like we're at this size and we need to take take the Gartner report and just do whatever they say. So the CIO is is happy. Uh, so yeah, we usually play in the 500 to 5,000 range. Any any thoughts? Obviously, I haven't you know dug super deep into your platform about having some sort of a an outline or a template or a cadence in terms of employee engagement. Like we're we're just actually using a, a a research testing tool online right now called User Testing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but mm-hmm. basically uh, you go in there and there's all of these these templates for for gathering research that have been put together by you know PhDs in in research and things of that nature. So definitely, I think it would be more applicable to maybe the smaller organizations where. Um, you know, they, they don't have a, a set way that they manage people from uh, an HR perspective, but it would be great if there was like a, a template that said, you know, this is, this is one way of managing employee engagement. Here's another. And they could literally pick a, a, a mode of employee engagement and then the system would adapt and then uh, take them along that path in terms of uh, processes, reminders and things like that. We do have templates, so we like because we we can build out you know from very basic to very robust uh, employee engagement um, and and employee performance management stuff. We do have templates where we say and and our implementation managers come from HR, so they they can say to people like yeah. I would do this or this is what a lot of half of our customers come to us and say what does everyone else do, and so yeah. we say this is what we would do, and we give them sort of a template and roadmap. The other half, um, and where our larger customers come in, is they and and why we win a lot of business is 
they have a specific idea and a specific way of doing things. And they say, this is how I want to do it. And, you know, Workday said no, or this company said no, and this is what I need to do. And our team sort of sits down with them and figures out how to make their, uh, their workflows work. And that's, that's one of our key difference makers. But that's when the people are like really clear HR pros. Uh, they have a pretty big HR team and they have sort of their own systems. We still try and offer to say, you know, sometimes they come in with ideas that are way too complex and end up costing more money to implement than it's really worth. And so we try to guide them and say like, here's a simpler solution, uh, especially Karen who works for us in in uh, in the US. She tries to find sort of simpler solutions that, that can get them where they want to go. But yeah, we definitely try and guide our customers towards... Uh, the employee engagement, what's the best use case? I, I kind of like the the democratization where people can take an idea and implement it through the drag and drop. That's that's really powerful. Like anybody can create anything, but if you don't want to do it for seven figures, um, yeah. the fact that you could and, and a lot of a lot of things that you're try trial doing a trial on, you're you're testing. You don't know if it's yeah. going to be something. So you don't want to necessarily go down a path that's going to cost you a small fortune. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's and it can cost a lot of money. We do have customers that that uh, even with us, they say, you know, they have a specific need, they have a specific want, and they say, I want to do it this way, and you know, we need to develop. We need our developers to come in and, and customize it for them. But we always tell them first, like, let's try and find a solution that you know SharePoint can solve, or that you know through drag and drop, or through at least through configurations, we can do. But there's always customers that have the next level of needs that uh, that require developers to step in. Well, thanks, Andrew. Um, where can people learn more about your platform and you and get in touch? Uh, so lanteria.com, L-A-N-T-E-R-I-A.com. Uh, and for me, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my name is Swiler A, uh, S-W-I-L-E-R-A. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I don't post that much on LinkedIn. I should do more, but definitely on Twitter. So okay, great. We'll, I'll we'll include those those in the in the show notes. And uh, anything else that you need to add? Uh, no, check out Lenteria. We're happy. Uh, if you say that you came from this podcast, we're happy to set up a, uh, a demo with you and set up uh, possibly a special price if we can if we can make it happen. It's great. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to the new HR. We hope this episode has given you some fresh perspectives and practical ideas for improving your workplace. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to connect with us. And before you go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel so you don't miss any episodes. Until next time.